Hello and welcome to Portroidcast episode 31. As always, I'm Rick. My guest today is Ali Vingiano. Ali is a story editor and writer on Apple TV's The Morning Show. She also stars in a new film coming to theaters this Friday, December 3rd, called The End of Us. Welcome to the show, Allie. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, with someone now, I met so long ago. Yeah, Allie and I met nine years ago. It was 2012, I believe, uh, in a sketch writing class at the Upright Citizens Brigade Training Center here in New York. And then, so let me, let me just quickly ask this. What was your path leading up to UCB? Sure. Well, I always loved performing. I wanted to be an actor since I was like four. Um, yet had no confidence that I could do it or was any good at it and didn't really pursue it. I guess in college I did some plays and I got into it, but I uh, had studied politics and I really wanted to be a writer. I just had no idea how to do that. I had no idea about the TV world or the film world. I didn't have connections. And so I, you know, I moved to New York City and I became a journalist because I sort of felt that a path in journalism to TV writing had was possible and people had done it like Nora Ephron (laughs) most notably did it (laughs) there was some sort of a path there and um while I was a journalist I started you know it was so scary at first I was so intimidated by UCB I thought it was like the best I I didn't think I'd fit in there I was so scared so I started taking classes at like other places I took a class at like the writing pad like a TV writing class or a sketch writing class. And then I started going to UCB shows. And then finally I signed up for an improv class. Um, and I loved it. I immediately loved it. And then I took a more, you know, a few more classes. Then I signed up for sketch writing classes. And I took, I only did through 201. Okay, 201, sure. Um, yeah. But then, that's how far how I ended up. There. Improv. You did you you went you did the improv classes as well as the sketch writing classes. Oh yeah. Did you get to uh, performing or were you just doing the classes? I went through all the way through advanced study, um, and I definitely auditioned for like Harold team. Sure, sure. I think like I don't remember. I don't remember because I, hmm, I I definitely had auditioned once before I moved to LA. And did not get on the Herald team, but I was a producer for UCB Digital, so I was like okay. part of the digital UCB teams making their shorts because I'd done I was making my own short films at the time and stuff. Um, and then I was in an advanced study class that was called Oh my God, what was it called? It was called the Genre, mm-hmm. and that was I think my first advanced study class, and it was so fun, and we got to perform on the theater, and then during that class, I moved to LA. Like, or like, I think it was right after we performed our show at UCB, we, I moved to LA. Okay. Um, so what did you take away from your experience in the UCB community? Because you were there for a while. You were involved in, the, in that world for a little while. So Yeah, what- for like three years. And then even when I moved to LA, I, I dabbled in UCB, sort of okay, just to sure. build a community out here. Um, what did I take away from it? Did I interrupt you or was that the end? No, 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 that was, that was the question. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, a few things. First of all, a community. And I have, I don't have as strong of a community as I would have if I hadn't moved across the country three times in five years. But um, I met like incredible people who were also interested in making stuff. And I um, 
through those connections and those people who I'd met, I ended up making my own content. So I made some short films. Um, I made a sketch, really sketches at the time, but I made a sketch that came to fruition because someone, I think in my sketch writing class actually, had this idea and I was like, we should shoot this, we should make this sketch. It was a parody of the movie Her by Spike Jones. And um, we just shot it in like a couple days and it ended up going viral. And then from there, I ended up making some more sketches that we, you know, some more sketches that we filmed and um, put, just putting stuff on YouTube. So I was able to, through the UCB community, meet other people who wanted to write stuff. And I even was on a little team, a little like digital team with um, one of my UCB improv teams. We like started making digital stuff together. and. That was exciting too. We like had some stuff on Funny or Die. So I think through UCB, it's really how I started my whole career because I met people I could make things with. Yeah. And beyond that, learning improv, like, oh my God, it's been so beneficial as a writer to, you know, even when I'm stuck in a scene, I'll just sort of like talk things out loud. And <laughs> like, well, how would someone respond to this? And um, when we filmed The End of Us, it's, I would say like 80% improvised. Oh, wow. I mean, the filmmakers had guidelines of like, here's what needs to happen in this scene. And they would be like, you should say this, then he should say that. And then you can play around with it. And then, you know, we should land here. But there was no physical script. There was like a 50 page like outline, like an sure. intricate outline. But we hardly, there were no written scenes. There was no like, so, so UCB, and I was nervous about like, am I going to be able to do this? But um, it was, and of course, UCB helped a lot with that. Yeah. And what was your impetus then for moving from New York to LA? I moved to LA because I got a job at BuzzFeed Video to okay. produce, write, direct, act in, you know, the, the BuzzFeed videos. Um, this was 2014 or 15. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was 2015. So that's okay, why I moved to LA. So you moved out there for the BuzzFeed, um, the video job. Were you yeah. working at BuzzFeed in New York prior to that? Or was it, or was the entire job out in LA? No, I was working at BuzzFeed as a reporter. I was a breaking right. news reporter. And, um, you know, I, at the same time I was writing the news, I was like making sketch videos and, and you know, about like, and like shorts about like running into your ex. And at some point it yes, was inappropriate. Yeah. At some point, I was like, I have dual personalities of like writing about serious news and like making fun videos on the internet. And I really wanted to do that. Um, I only, I wasn't, I was not, I don't, I was not a journalist who, I was not, I started being, you know, not invested in my job. And I um, really, really wanted to, to work for TV and to make movies. And so I went to actually quit my job at BuzzFeed. And my boss, because I'd gotten an offer from another digital company to be a video producer there. And my boss was like, look, we're starting up BuzzFeed Video. It's going well. Why don't you move out there and work for BuzzFeed Video? So I ended up talking to them and, and they moved me out there. And that's, that's what happened. They were supportive of the transition. And it was, um, yeah, it was. It was a it was a very you know surprising and sort of kismet coincidence that they had started this and I, at the time I wasn't sure if it was the right move because I was like I could either quit my job and go try to make short films and like 
try to do the festival route and like try to really do stuff on my own. At the same time, I felt like I knew I needed to go to LA at some point. Yeah. I wasn't sure what BuzzFeed video was all about. I was like, I don't want to make like cheap stuff. Like I want to stay true sure. to who I am. Um, but it ended up, you know, the benefits of it were that I got to move out there with a job, immediately meet a lot of other young people. And I learned so many skills um, that I didn't previously have from sort of being in the production <laughs> boot camp hellfire that is making, you know, six videos a month. Right. Yeah. Now, when you were a writer at BuzzFeed, so 2014, you had written a, a quick little interview thing about me and my portraits project, which I don't know, I'm sure I did at the time, but um, I will do it again. I will thank you very much for, for doing that because it did lead to a lot of things for me in my, in my you know, portrait world. Like, you know, I got hired to uh, cover Sundance Film Festival. They, Sundance hired me to come and shoot portraits on That's red carpet. So cool. You know, because like that the whole BuzzFeed like built up a buzz, you know, even though it was, I mean, I don't, it, it was sort of one of those clickbaity type articles like this guy's done it that, you know, 2074, you know, Polaroids. Um, you know, so I, I met people that were like, hey, I saw your thing on BuzzFeed. And it's like, they became my friend. Like it, it kind of built into a thing. And I, I just want to thank you for, for just reaching out and doing that. It was around the time I had had a, a gallery exhibit and you were covering that and, and helping promote that. And, and I think it even helped to extend that exhibit. It was supposed to be like a three week thing that stretched into 11 weeks. So, you know, That's your awesome. job at BuzzFeed actually helped me. So I, I appreciate that. And so thank you very much for that. Just want to tangentially throw that in there. That's just that is so cool. And it makes me so happy. And I will say like, I know I said I wasn't that invested at, the jo at that job at some point because I was so busy. I was like running from that to UCB classes to making yeah. stuff on the, you know, shooting on the weekends. But um, the coolest part of it was when I did get to post about things that my friends were doing that were awesome. I, right. I, you know, like that makes me so happy knowing that it helped your career and that you got to go to Sundance and I got to post some other videos that, you know, people at UCB had made that I thought were really funny. And so that stuff was really cool. And when I got to do cool, good journalism, um, that was also really exciting. Yes, yeah, a lot of the but, videos that you did for them when you moved, I guess you'd moved to LA, but you'd also done some, I think in New York prior to that, you were saying you were making short films, but you were able to showcase a lot of your talent as an actor, writer, producer, director. You were building up this, this career in, in film, in, in creating content. Um, and essentially you created a series of funny and poignant short films in the BuzzFeed world, which when you think BuzzFeed, you don't think like, oh, this is going to kind of have a social message, but also make me laugh, you know? And I think, um, I think there was a lot, uh, a lot to what you had done there. Is there anything you can discuss about the evolution of the creative freedoms that, that, that allowed you to express yourself in that way at that company? Sure. Um, first of all, I also wanted to say that your the portraits was so cool as a concept oh, that nice. it was, I was happy to post about it. So, <laughs> you know, it's, I love everything you've been doing. But um, I the creative control, it was interesting because you had to be consistent with sort of the voice that BuzzFeed had. Um, and at the same time, you were encouraged to come in and be like, here's who I am. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to make. And it did take me a little bit to find my voice there because that type of content creation was not what I'd been focused on. Um, and 
Well, that actually, I will say when I first got there and I was making sketches, I felt it was pretty natural for me because I could sort of take what I've been doing at UCB and sort of just make those videos. Um, and you do have pretty much total creative freedom. I mean, you do have to like run your ideas by people, um, but you're encouraged to just go make stuff and then you can edit it and then people give you notes. And if, you know, there have been cases where people's videos have been canned or said like, you can't release this, but um, you do have, are you, you don't anymore, I don't think, cause I don't even think they make narrative. I don't think they make any narrative videos anymore, but at the time, um, the process was, was you go get a camera, shoot what you want to shoot, edit it, send it to your boss and see what she thinks. So. <laughs> well, it worked out, I think. It worked out. The The hard thing for me at BuzzFeed was the quality control because it was quality over quantity and that I was so precious. Like when I made my sh first short film, like I made sketches, but my first thing that I considered a short film was this little video called X's. And I must've spent like two months editing it, just like changing one frame and then you know, another, and then like, it, it, it was, I was so precious at the time. So going there and it was just like, this has to be done today, no matter what, that to me was a huge hurdle mentally. Uh, so did you go from that to working on the opposition with Jordan Klepper? Okay, so you were a field producer for that show. Um, so what if anything, were you able to surmise about the state of the world or, you know, because you traveled with that show, um, how did, essentially, how did you grow or what did you learn from that experience going around the world and, you know, with, with that type of uh, more of a political show? Well, the world is fucked up. Yeah, um, I, <laughs> you know, it was a tough time because it was a couple years, I think a year into Trump's yeah. presidency. I, I think the worst place I went was to a Roy Moore rally in like the middle of nowhere, Alabama, like rolling up to this barn, like just feeling like genuinely unsafe. Like sure. everyone was armed. Like they, they know, you know, you're just praying nobody recognizes Jordan. Like sure. it was definitely moments like that. And then there were some incredible moments where you're meeting people, you know, we interviewed women running for office in Texas. And like, that was really inspiring. And we interviewed um, we went to a drag queen story hour where drag queens read books to kids and it's very controversial. And, you know, so, so you learn, you sort of see the best and the worst yeah. um, of, of people out there. I don't, I think that it, I think you're moving, you move so fast on those shows. Like you're out on a Saturday shooting at a rally, you're on a plane Sunday morning, you're editing Monday. Like there's not a lot of time to process anything. I think a lot of what I learned was Actually, I'm not even going to try. I'm going to think of it and then maybe I'll come back to it. <laughs> All right. No problem. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just just watching shows like that, you know, you can see how divided the world is and it's unfortunate. So it's just I just didn't know if, if being embedded in it brought anything to you. And again, it's totally fine if nothing comes to mind, because, you know, as you said, you're kind of, you know, running gun. You're, you're going out, you're filming and then you're trying to get out and get it edited and put something together that's entertaining but also you know kind of shining a light on the world so we can we can I mean it's just sure. sorry I, I think that it, it was just an interesting process for everyone on that show because it's just so hard to make Trump funny like everyone has this yeah. idea that he's going to be like funny for comedy and it's just like good for comedy and it's just yeah. not real at all and I think it's like this question of 
everyone's so sick of it and nobody really wants to make jokes about it and um or hear jokes about it so I think it was just a really interesting process of like going out on the street seeing how divided the country was and seeing sort of this place in the middle where it's like how do we actually change the conversation and how do we make it not about Republican versus Democrat because that conversation is so boring and Democrats are so useless these days and so it's like how do you actually have a conversation about the important issues without pulling in um, these labels and these words that divide people when actually most people have a lot more in common than they realize. Yeah, so, exactly. And it's unfortunate that we have these divides that we've kind of put ourselves in these, in these worlds where, we, like you said, we have a lot in common, but it's, you know, we instantly rule someone out as being valid because of their political beliefs. And again, you know, sometimes for very good reason, you know, but also for sometimes it's just kind of like, oh, we just haven't communicated enough. So let's let's jump forward um, from that just because it's a heavy topic. Um, <laughs> but also this is sort of a heavy topic because uh, we're gonna jump to the morning show, which is, sure. um, you, you know, your, um, well, first let's, uh, could you explain briefly or basically the role of the story editor? Cause that, that that's one of your, your, your sure. job on that on that show. So I, I'm actually an executive story editor. Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Let's upgrade, um, executive story editor. Um, so basically the writer's room just works in this hierarchy system where you come in as a staff writer and then, the, and then you get promoted to story editor and then the next level up is executive story editor and then you become a co-producer. And it's basically this like tiered system sure. of writers. None of these titles mean much other than the order in which you might get a script, the order in which you feel like empowered to talk in the room. If you're a staff writer, you probably should wait until the upper level writers say what they need to say in order, you know, you shouldn't interrupt one of them with your idea. Like there's just a lot of weird rules, unspoken rules of writer's rooms. And these titles sort of act as ways to inform everybody of them. I did not do any specific work as an executive story editor or as a story editor that specifies what my title is. The reason why I started as a story editor is because I was actually hired sort of because of my role in the opposition and because I had worked as a journalist, I was hired in addition to being a writer to in the room to write all of the show within the show content. So anytime they're doing the news on the background, anytime they're you know, the characters are telling the news at the desk. Like I was responsible for writing those and then producing those segments on set. So I skipped staff writer and I started a story editor because the official job title of a story editor is a writer with additional responsibilities. Okay. Um, so because of that, I was able to skip staff writer, which was incredible for, for various reasons. Um, and I was lucky to do so. Um, and I was also lucky to be able to produce on set for season one and, you know, sort of watch the sausage get made. Excellent. And then, so the show, you know, between season one, and season two, COVID showed up, you know, how did the show's direction change as a result of COVID? Um, I, I know it's addressed very, you know, in season two, but did that dynamic uh, affect uh, the potentially mapped out story arcs or was it just easily plugged in like, oh, we can, add this, like what you're saying, as a story editor, you're building the stories within the story. Well, here's a huge story, you know, uh, coronavirus has hit the world. 
and it, it becomes a major, um, you know, part of the plot for season two. So yeah, if you could just, if you, if you're able to just briefly um, discuss that. Yeah. I mean, we've, um, I think most of this has already, you know, been talked about by our showrunner or actors, but um, we were writing season one, all of 2019, uh, season two, excuse me. Yeah. And I was actually off on script writing episode seven, 207, season two, episode seven. Right. When COVID, and I think, um, I think it, I was about to finish it and come back to work. And then they were like, stay home. We're canceling work for two weeks. Um, and I was like, great, two weeks off. <laughs> um, so basically because the show is, is so newsy, the news is always on in the background. Season one dealt with Me Too. And so it felt like this is a topical show. We do need to address this huge thing happening. And we basically threw out all seven episodes that we'd written. Wow. Um, I will say that although we threw out the scripts, that doesn't necessarily mean the story changed. Sure. Um, a lot of the story remained the same. I think maybe we combined episode one and two into one episode. Like there was just some, you know, rearranging. Yeah. Um, and I think the story arcs generally stayed the same. I okay. think the plot yeah. changed. And I think, um, I mean, a lot of the plot changed, a significant yeah. portion of it changed. And some of the story changed too, of course. You have like, if you've seen the end of season two, you know that there's like, I, I don't want to say what it is, but yeah, yeah. there's also, obviously people may not, may not be up to date. Yeah, but I, I've, I've seen it all, but yeah, other people may not have. So yeah, a lot in the back half of the season, you know, in terms of what we'd already mapped out, we, we changed and we wrote season two all through 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, this, as you mentioned, the show also deals heavily with the Me Too movement, you know, the accountability shift and cultural change uh, surrounding Me Too. First season had a lot of that, but it, it bleeds dramatically into the second season. Um, I just curious how that's navigated because something that your show does that I hadn't seen in other shows, and again, I'm trying not trying to do any spoilers, but it, it dabbles a bit in the gray areas. It, it you know kind of covers a, other sides of it, and it's very tricky because what you mostly see is you know guilty, canceled. Um, and now you're seeing the aftermath. You're seeing a bit of the, the bleed over and how that's affecting everyone on every side. And I feel, I feel like your show handled that very well. And I was just curious, um, you know, what, what, how that direction came through, you know, to, to while not, uh, I, 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 I'm going to let you answer, but I also want to say, you know, it's like, you're sympathetic, but you're also, you know, the blame is definitely heavily laid as, as it should be. So I, I think that there, you, you, you were able to walk that tightrope very well. And I just wondered um, if, how that was navigated on, on the writer's side, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, our, our showrunner, Carrie Aaron has always said that the show that what she's interested in is exploring something from many different points of view and not necessarily taking a strong stand, but rather seeing things from different perspectives. And right. so that was sort of the direction we were all given. And of course, as a writer in a room, your job is to write what the showrunner wants. So sure. in the room, it was, um, 
you know, I wouldn't say we fought about things, but yeah. we had debates about these issues. You know, we had debates about how Mitch should be portrayed, how um, we should tackle things like Me Too and cancel culture. And a lot of different people had different opinions. And ultimately, the showrunner, you know, Carrie, she took what she wanted and she, you know, was able to navigate these, um, was able to listen to the writers in the room and sort of, you know, choose the position she wanted to take or the scenes she wanted to write or wanted to assign us to write. Um, and so it was really through that general direction of let's explore let's explore, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I guess that's the end of the sentence <laughs> that, yeah. that um, we, we were able to tackle things in the way that you just described of, we do place blame. We do want it to be clear the point of view of the show, but at the same time, we want these characters to be characters, to be full yeah. people that we can see and we can, you know, relate to and that are alive and um, alive in this world. So, you know, it's not a show that um, it's a show with, with diff many villains, you know, and, and people constantly changing um, and people constantly, I, I think the relationship the audience has with the characters also changes a lot. So, yeah. yeah. But I will say there was a lot of opinionated people, you know, trying to get their ideas through and that's always how it is in the room, but ultimately, your, you know, the best writers are able to take the showrunner's vision, the best writers in a writer's room are able to take yeah. the showrunner's visions and then come up with unique ways to fulfill it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, and I, I don't think you let anyone off the hook, you know, again, that's just my opinion from watching the show, you know, and just kind of observing the, the different approach that it took, uh, where there was still accountability, but also there's like, we talked about the gray areas. All right, let's jump ahead um, to your film, to um, the the end of us. Uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, it comes out in theaters this Friday, December third, two thousand twenty-one. If someone's listening to this in the future, um, <laughs> and it's available on video on demand uh, starting next week, right, December seventh. Now, how did this film come about? You talked a little bit about it's. Uh, you had the improv elements, but uh, I, go ahead and just just talk about a little how the, the film itself developed or how uh, how sure. it came about. So it was early COVID 2020, maybe April or May. And I, um, we, you know, had just basically decided we're going to rework season two. And our showrunner basically was like, give me a couple of weeks because I need to conceptualize what the show is going to look like now. I have no idea. I need to sit with my, you know, my thoughts, figure out what I want. And, um, so I basically had a couple of weeks of doing nothing except playing Animal Crossing okay. <laughs> and cuddling my dog and trying, you know, trying to think of things I could write on my own, but not feeling inspired. And two of my friends who I worked with at BuzzFeed, Stephen Cantor and Henry Lovner, called me and they were like, we're thinking of making a movie and would you want to act in it with Ben, who I had done some BuzzFeed videos with um, previously and we had, you know, great chemistry and we love improvising together and working together. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So they sent me sort of an outline and I gave them some thoughts and feedback on it. And then they sent me another outline and we sort of worked through it. And eventually they were like, great, let's do it. We booked an Airbnb in Highland Park, in Eagle Rock in LA. And we, I think for 11 nights, yeah, 11 nights. And we had this big outline, this idea of what the film would be. And we shot it 
um, in sequence because we knew it would change a lot because we didn't have a firm script. So we actually shot the opening twice and we shot two endings and I didn't know what it was gonna be until I saw the film. Um, yeah, two openings, two endings. Um, and that's that was June, May or June of 2020. Um, I think we shot the Airbnb in May and then some all the ex, you know exterior outside scenes in June. And a few months later, they sent me a cut of the film and we um, got into South by Southwest where it premiered in March. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, I saw that. It was at, at South by Southwest. And I'm very excited now that, you know, the rest of us can see it, <laughs> you know, those of us who weren't, who weren't there. So uh, I think, um, as I mentioned, it comes out this Friday, uh, you know, in, in it's playing here in New York. I saw it's playing in LA. It's playing in multiple uh, cities. Oh. You know, look in your area, see if it's playing. But um, yeah, it's very exciting. Um, now, let me just uh, finish up with this, you know, as a multi-hyphenate, which, which you are, you know, a writer, director, um, actor, where does your passion lie? Where, where's your direction? Where do you want to be? That's a great question. Um, I had thought I was done with acting until we made the film because I hadn't acted in anything since BuzzFeed. And I, I was like, ah, I'd be happy never acting again. And then shooting this movie, and the way that it was made, it was such a collaborative process. We got to improvise. Um, I really trusted the filmmakers and, you know, it was just, it, there was no pressure on it. We were just like, let's just try. And if it's bad, whatever, like we tried to make something and that's cool. <laughs> um, so it really made me fall in love with acting again. And I'm really excited to pursue that more now. Um, but ultimately I am a writer and I, I, I'm a director and I'm a producer, but ultimately I, I, I'm those things because I, I envision something on the page and I want to bring it to life and I know what I want it to look like and I want to go create it. Um, so I think of myself as like, my passion lies with creating something yeah. and the process of creating something. I mean, I love to edit, like you could stick me in a room with footage and I'd be there for 10 hours. Like, you know, I, I love the process of bringing something to life and I love starting on the page and getting to see it through with, with, um, another role, you know, I want to direct it or I want to produce it and edit it. And so I, um, I really have a hard time answering this question, although yeah. I think it is a great question because, um, because I just, I, I want to, you want it all. My, my passion is with creating something I want to, you know, and I think my That's future is as a filmmaker, hopefully, because I, that is really what I would love to do because it sort of brings everything I love together. And I will say with the end of us, shutting up and not being like, are you sure we don't want to shoot it like this was the hardest part. And after like two days, I was like, oh my God, if I don't have to think about that shit, acting is great. Like yeah. acting's amazing. I just have to not be thinking about a hundred other things at the time. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> it was great. Like totally giving up the role of, you know, of the director or, or writer or whatever, making the end of us. All right. You know, that was, that was my last question. I appreciate uh, you know, all the time that you, you've spent uh, talking with me about, about your life and career, you know, is there anything that you, um, that you want to throw out there, you know, or uh, just kind of what you're looking forward to, anything that you want to promote? I mean, you've got the movie, that that's the big thing right now. I just didn't know if you have something that I haven't seen, you know, I'm kind of, mm. as I mentioned, we've been, we were in class together nine years ago. And so you kind of end up following the careers of people that, that you knew, when you were sort of learning the, the ropes. So uh, I just, th this was what I knew about, but I just didn't know if you had anything else uh, in, in the hopper or if this was kind of the, the big push right now. 
Um, well, this is the big push of things that are out. I have some things I'm working on that I'm not quite ready to talk about, but, um, you know, I'll let you know when I can. <laughs> and, um, you know, I have nothing else to promote. I guess I will just promote, you know, people, if they feel safe going to see things in theaters in general, I'm such a victim. I'm such a, you know, I do this too. I was like, oh, I really want to see Spencer in theaters and like support the indie filmmaking and support Kristen Stewart. And yeah. I just got a screener and now I'm like, oh shit, I'm probably just going to watch the screener. So yeah. I do No, I'm, I'm going to still try to go see it if it's out, but if people feel safe and, um, you know, if, the world shapes up yeah. my my promotion is is seeing movies in theaters again right I, I i like that we we try to go to theaters we try to go broadway shows we're vaccinated we're boosted you know we wear our masks we're doing everything we can and we're just trying to get out there and support the arts as much as we can so i i i, I second your your recommendation there all right ali thank you very much for being part of the show and uh again everyone go see her film it's called the end of us uh, if you haven't yet watched the morning show, go back, watch her, her videos that she did with Buzzfeed and also, you know, the videos that you did outside of Buzzfeed. Um, there's a lot of great content out of there and just, uh, keep, keep an eye out for Allie in the future. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.